Welcome to the Electri International series, Think Like a Leader. We all enjoy hearing another person's success story, and we hope our conversations with leaders from across the electrical construction industry will help spark your interest and creativity in finding ways you can think like a leader. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Electri International's Think like a leader. We have a lot of leaders in the electrical construction industry, and today we are both honored and pleased to have with us Jason Seeger from Border States Electric. Jason has been with the company for 22 years, and he's been president for one year. So thank you so much, Jason, for giving us your time. We really do appreciate it. Hey, thanks, Lena. I'm really glad to be here with you. I appreciate the chance to connect and, and chat a little bit. So we know that Border States is owned 100% by your employees, and I'm sure that that's going to influence the way some of our contractors and industry partners respond to your answers. So I'm looking forward to you weaving that into what we're going to talk about. I noted that your company website talks about the fact that the way you provide value to all of your customers is to deliver innovative product and supply chain solutions. So with that as the backdrop, can you tell us what some of the major changes have been that you and your team and your employee owners have seen in the supply chain over the last five years or so? So yeah, we are 100% employee owned. It's a big piece of who we are, uh, what we do and how we do it. Not a secret sauce anymore, but certainly a key ingredient uh, for the organization is the, the employee owners, they take pride in it, right? When you own something, you take pride in it. You put more effort into how you care for it. And that shows in the great work our employee owners do in serving our customers and the communities that we live and we work in. So yeah, we do focus on creating and providing value. What are some of the changes that you have seen in the supply chain itself? Yeah, so interesting year to be talking about changes, right? So much change over the last 12 months, specifically, relative to the pandemic, could be social unrest, uh, the supply chain constraints, as you're mentioning. I would say, you know, for me, probably one that really stands out uh, over the last three to five years is really information availability. And just how that's impacting supply chain uh, overall. We see it in our personal and professional lives. And most of us have so much data, we don't even know what to do with it. And for many people, it probably consumes us, right? We've got these devices, uh, many of us get connected to and, and consumed by. And maybe similar in our professional life, we have so much information coming out, we don't even know what to do with it in many cases. So it's clear to me the companies that can really figure out in the supply chain how to connect and integrate systems, the ones that can figure out how to bring insights out of that sea of data and package those insights in a way that really are valuable, are probably going to come out on top and really find ways to better serve our customers. Being innovative and finding solutions has to be a team effort. I'm sure that everybody's going to agree with that. But how do you as a leader prepare your distribution specialists to understand and evaluate how to interact with new products and new technologies so that they are explaining them properly to your customers and getting the order? Yeah, great question. It goes back to one of our foundational elements of the mission of our company. That's making sure we understand our customer 
and the overall industry challenges. We have to stay curious and hungry for answers. We have to be constantly learning. So first for us, engagement with the construction community as a whole was really a key. You know, through trade associations such as NECA, we're able to engage with our partners outside of just that transactional day-to-day -day relationship to get a deeper understanding of the evolving, really modern construction process. When we do that, we're better able to bring technology, logistics, and products to find the most effective ways to deliver and install uh, materials with our customers. So we also work to find ways to leverage what we learn in our local markets across our footprint. Uh, we have teams dedicated to the contractor construction market uh, that really look for opportunities and things we're learning in different, more localized parts of our business. But how do we take that and build content so others can learn from it and become more effective serving our customers that way? We know that Border States goes to great lengths to maintain strong and responsible business relationships. But as you do that, you have to rely upon the manufacturers. So how can you make sure that the manufacturers are providing both the quality product and the exceptional service that you in turn are promising to your customers? Yeah, so as a backdrop to that, having strategic and strong relationships with key vendors is really critical. And I can't recall a better time to be reminded of that lesson in this past year with all the unprecedented supply chain constraints. So those that have the relationships that an advantage in really taking care of the customer. And just like our employee owners and customers are critical to our success, the same holds true for our vendor partners. In many ways, we don't do what we do without them. Uh, now we challenge them, they challenge us with our key ingredients in a, in a healthy, innovative relationship. And we really have a robust vendor relations team uh, dedicated to the ongoing evaluation, support and improvement of all of our vendor partners. That includes metrics around safety, uh, business continuity, efficiency, and innovation they're bringing to the business, to name a few. And we're also members of many vendor feedback groups discussing everything from material packaging, changes in code, to new product development. So we stay highly connected, communicate expectations of each other, and then align around those expectations and goals to constantly improve delivery of valuable product and services to keep our customers really ahead of the curve. So you spend quite a bit of energy and your team spends quite a bit of energy to help both your manufacturing side partners and your customer side stay ahead of the curve. Is that correct? Yeah. Is that a sure. correct way to put it? Yeah. Okay. Obviously, COVID-19 had a tremendous impact on the construction industry around the world. And we don't know yet, possibly a long-term impact on the industry. How would you advise contra electrical contractors to prepare for a comeback? Well, that's an interesting question because there are a lot of uncertainties out there, to your point. Well, I'm hopeful we're heading in the right direction towards a more normal environment. It's hard to say what impact there'll be on contractor productivity. You know, what will they need to do in order to mitigate health risk on a job site in the future? Uh, how will this stress an already short labor pool? So one of the things is really encouraging contractors to talk to their distribution partners about how to leverage their people and their services. Are there things your distributor partner can do more efficiently to keep that contractor really installing product on the job site? Additionally, we've all seen a push towards more remote work, uh, virtualization, much like we're doing today, connecting virtually 
So I think, you know, roles that we've never been considered in the past for remote are now going remote. It could be in a contractor team, could be the BIM team, a purchasing department, a project management team. We see many examples of how maybe they've actually increased productivity and flexibility over the last 12 months, really not even saying anything about the expanded potential recruiting pool that creates. So I think one of the biggest maybe opportunities for contractors is really prepare to have that detailed plan for how those roles will function in the future to reduce the amount of stress around the unknown for their teams. So they have a documented plan and policy for how they handle remote work and to leverage virtual opportunities like this uh, using technology as well. So is it fair to say that this might be an unintended positive consequence of what we had to do simply to survive during the pandemic and, and now take it forward to the next step? Is that what your company is doing to prepare itself? Yeah, I know for us it has been, a Carolyn, for sure. You know, it started out probably as a challenge and everyone looking around going, well, I'm used to meeting that person face-to-face. You know, we need to meet and talk through this. We couldn't do it, right? So we were forced into communicating differently. I will tell you, I think we have, we found new ways to do what we used to do. It can't replace, you know, the value of a face-to-face conversation, that connection, that communication, but it certainly will find ways to enhance certain pieces of the business that we can do virtually. Frankly, it's interesting too. I don't use this very often anymore. Most of what I do is, you know, via Teams or Zoom where I can see somebody, I can see the face, I can connect even more effectively than I was in the past. So we're trying to leverage that to improve communication, reduce some cost along the way as well. And it's really improving our, our engagement and culture uh, with leaders across our company. When you think about border states over the next three to five years, do you see it growing in terms of both its market and geography? Yeah, good question. There's probably a few places of growth for us in the future. First is in existing geographies and markets, just simply taking care of our customers in those existing markets. So it could be small, mid, you know, large contractors. We do pretty well at taking care of those, those individuals in our existing footprint. Um, I anticipate we'll be able to grow some market share as we elevate service uh, and exceed their expectations in those existing geographies. We'll continue to be active with contractors that are doing work in different parts of our footprint and sometimes outside of our existing footprint. You know, we'll follow a customer where it makes sense for both of us to really service their needs on a project basis. We'll continue to find opportunities to do that. And I imagine you know, the acquisition market will probably see some increased activity, at least on the distribution side, as the economy comes back, as the dust settles from the pandemic. So as we always do, we'll be on the lookout for acquisitions that make sense, that can help us really better serve our customers and become more valuable to our vendor partners as well. Sometimes we hear people say, oh, when they when they hear about a company that is an ESOP company, they'll say, oh, it's too difficult, too much planning, can't get everybody on the same page. How do you take steps to cultivate leaders when they are, in fact, your owners? Oh, that's an interesting observation. And I have heard some of that, even, even internally at times, we plan quite a bit. But I think People assume that planning and execution and decision-making maybe are slower and maybe more challenged than an employee-owned company. I would tell you for us, uh, it's the opposite. In fact, I think 
the benefit of being an employee-owned company is that it's inherent in our culture to be very transparent, very open, very communicative. There's a consistency of purpose, you know, that really permeates across the organization. And when people know the why, they know the purpose, it allows them to connect, I think, more quickly and more effectively and really allows us to change, change more quickly, uh, manage change more effectively and adopt plans uh, that can move us forward. So once we decide on a plan, everyone knows their role and how we're going to execute the plan. You still have to have the right culture, you know, the right foundation to make that happen. So I mean, specifically for us, Carolyn, we meet with company leaders every other week, every leader in the organization, every other week with our top leadership. And we just talk about different things in the business and things that are going well, opportunities for improvement. We have monthly employee owner meetings where we share results. We all connect around a common message through a company video. And we hold town halls consistently to collect feedback, making sure we're hearing you know, feedback from those that are really taking care of customers on the front line, things that are going well, things we've got to focus on to better support their experience taking care of our customers. Now, we know you've been with Border States 22 years. So along the way, somebody or a couple of somebodies had to identify you and your leadership traits or you wouldn't be where you are today. I mean, I think that's a fair thing to say. So what are some of the traits that you look for as you identify and then go to nurture and cultivate future leaders for Border States? You know, I love that question. If you look at our business, we talk about there being really two things that truly allow our business to succeed in the future. So a thoughtful and innovative use of technology, and even more importantly, our people. And so first, I don't think there is maybe one set of traits that defines a successful leader. There's probably some common things that many of them have collectively, at least to some degree. So for me, um, I think about people who can build trust and create a connection. You have to be able to connect with people. Uh, someone who can be a servant and show they really care. Um, you know the old adage, I'm sure, people who, you know, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Um, it's absolutely the truth and it's critical for us. I want people who are, are willing to fail, willing to make some mistakes, but then be vulnerable in how they learn from it and really apply that uh, to the next time they're in that same situation. So that's really critical for us as well. I want people who are willing to, to make decisions, stand behind the decisions. Someone's willing to pull, someone who's willing to be accountable and really own uh, decisions that they do make. And I want someone who shows up and really wants to make a difference. Really, they believe they can make a difference in their attitude every single day. If we have those common ingredients, we've got a great starting point for, I think, a fantastic leader in our business and in the whole, uh, whole channel, the whole industry. Has Border State's involvement with Electra International had an impact on the way you and your team approach your business strategy? I think it's had a tremendous uh, impact since joining. I think the impact is growing. So we talk about how we want to deliver products and services to make our customers safer, more efficient, and more profitable. So being involved in, in Electri, as an example, helps us understand not just the challenges our industry faces, but allows us to participate in research projects that help find solutions that really put us in a place to deliver on those goals. And don't underestimate how much easier it is to drive change in our business. We're able to go back and whether it's our employee owners or our customers, 
and say, hey, we work with electric peers to help vet a, vet a challenge, to identify a solution. So it's not just us with the idea. This has been really well-rounded out by the input of people who really know the industry, help identify potential roadblocks and better prepare us to overcome those challenges. So, you know, as an example, we currently have a key initiative around enhancing the digital project management experience. We've utilized direct feedback from a recent electri breakout session to help move faster in this area and better tailor the experience to our contractor needs. So absolutely, it's impactful to our business and how we plan for the future. Now, as you think about Electri's own future, are there certain topics that you would like to see them delve into? New initiatives, particular kinds of research that you would say to me, you know, Carolyn, if we're really going to be ahead of the curve for the next three to five years, Electri International better be looking at... Yeah, a couple of things I hear from our team, I would say, um, you know, probably one that will I think, impact the entire supply chain that warrants some of that continual research um, is multi-trade prefabrication. So how does the electrical contractor approach that space or do they, you know, where do they fit as that continues to evolve and unfold? Secondly, how does the evolution of BIM change the interaction in the design and the quotation process? of the electrical systems between the manufacturer, the distributor, and the installer. And if we can figure out kind of what that connection looks like, I think there's a lot of value and opportunity there for us. Are companies that are involved with that particular topic, are they going to be willing to share their experiences and their secret sauce on all of this, or is it very, very proprietary? Well, you know, I think like like a lot of things, you're going to have some folks who probably see it as highly proprietary and some who are going to recognize the criticality of coming together to shape this for the good of the electrical contractor and how we serve the electrical contractor. So probably going to have both sides of that, Carolyn, and I'm hopeful we can be you know, part of the process to figure out those challenges uh, with Electri and with uh, those contractors as well. Jason, what's the best piece of professional advice that you ever received that had an impact on your ability to be a really good leader? Well, I've been really blessed by being surrounded by just a lot of amazing leaders in the industry throughout my entire career. I've received some fantastic advice. You know, some that was easy to receive and some that was a little less easy to receive, but all needed and appreciated. I'd say it is probably not as much the advice that has most shaped me as a leader, not what people have said, but what they've done that's really shaped me. So uh, the example of those leaders, watching how they navigate and make decisions, how they treat people has absolutely shaped me. And for me, the greatest impact has been on how important it is to be a servant leader and do the right thing for your people, every person, every time, so being a servant leader, I think some people confuse this a little bit, doesn't mean you don't make hard decisions, doesn't mean you don't drive accountability and push the business forward, but it does mean that you put people first. You show them you care, you give them space to learn and fail and grow. When you put people first to try to do the right thing for them, you'll have a team that frankly will walk through brick walls. You know, they'll walk over cop hot coals to serve the customer beyond their expectations uh, every time going forward. Is that approach easier because you are an ESOP? You know, it's an interesting question. And the honest response is, I think 
some people would probably say that. Um, but I think no matter what ownership structure you have in a business, I think doing the right thing is doing the right thing. Whether you're an employee-owned company, um, you're otherwise privately held, you're public, I think doing the right thing is doing the right thing now. Are there elements of employee ownership where I think that's more embedded in there and they get that faster? Yeah. You still have to do the right thing. If you were giving one piece of advice to any member of our audience who's out there today and you wanted them to know something that maybe took you a long time to learn, but perhaps would help them to be able to get there, to get to the result faster. What advice would you give to other members of the electrical construction industry, whether they're on your supply side or whether they're contractors? Is there something that you say, without this, you will not succeed, but with it, the sky's the limit? Well, I don't think it's me one thing, but I think the connection, you know, within the industry is so critical. So, you know, there's a lot of really brilliant people in the industry, in the channel, whether they're working for a contractor, distributor, a manufacturer, vendor partner. And I think the, the critical piece is when you partner with people and you're able to be more open, more transparent and connect with them in a way that you can really hear the, the challenges you know, in a real way, I think we'll build solutions faster and more effectively and move us all forward to a place that we all need to be in the future. So I think it's about connection. It's about the relationship. And that's pretty traditional, maybe a little bit old school even, but I think there's a strong place for that relationship, uh, building the trust and having those connections across your, your channel, across your supply chain. It drives tremendous value for all, all involved. Well, Jason, thank you so much for your time today. Your connection with us and with all of the members of the electric audience is something that's really important and valuable. And several people had recommended, you got to talk to Jason, you got to talk to Jason. And now I know exactly why. Not only are you clear and concise, but the transparency with which you tell us about your company and your advice both to people in the industry and to electric is very on target and very well appreciated. So thanks to you and thanks to our audience for tuning in today. Thank you for joining us for today's Think Like a Leader conversation. You can access every interview in this series on our website, electri.org, or you can subscribe on your favorite podcast app. This is a remarkable look inside the electrical construction industry, and it's yours for the listening. 